0: This podcast is brought to you by Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine for those that love to make and drink great beer. Learn more online or subscribe at beerandbrewing.com or find us on social media at craftbeerbrew. If you love brewing as much as we do and are inspired by the work of leading commercial brewers like Mitch Steele of New Realm, Tommy Arthur of Lost Abbey, Matt Brittleson of Firestone Walker, Jeff Stuffings and Avery Swanson of Jester King, Jason Perkins of Allegash, and more, then put one of our 2018 Brewers Retreat events on your calendar. These luxury brewing events at gorgeous resort locations around the country pair great brewers, great food, and intimate camaraderie for a truly unique and unforgettable experience. Learn more at BrewersRetreat.com. And if you're interested in reaching the thousands of listeners who tune into every episode of the Craft Beer and Brewing podcast, we'd love to welcome you as a sponsor. For more information, drop an email to info at beerandbrewing.com and our media sales team will craft a plan that works for you.
1: everybody it's John Hall the senior editor of craft beer and brewing magazine and I am here in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, at the Bond Place Brewery, uh, or Bond Place Brewing Company, I guess is probably the right way to to say it. Either way. All right, fine. (laughs) And that is uh, Sam Masoto. He is the owner, he is the brewer. He was recently featured in the pages of our magazine, and I encourage you to check that out. Uh, He has been a home brewer for a long time. He's been on the other side of the bar, uh, working the stick in the past, and now he's got his own brewery. And not only that, but some hardware from the Great American Beer Festival earlier this year for styles that don't get a lot of attention in sort of, I guess, the beer geek community, as it were, but ones that you're fairly passionate about, and that's Miles. Sure. Yeah. Sam, welcome to the broadcast. Oh, thanks for having me on the broadcast. It's uh,
2: pretty rad to be here. I, you know, it's... Well, we're at your place. So right. Well, yeah, cool that was, that was easy. Yeah. Thank you for taking it easy on me. <laughs> You know, I, I don't know that uh, eight years ago, serving you beer at the Pony Bar, I would know that I'd be on this side talking to you one day about this. But
1: uh, I, I don't know eight years ago, sitting at the Pony Bar, that I thought I'd be alive today. So it's... Um, <laughs> well, that makes two of us, I guess. <laughs> it's been some hard living since then. Yeah. Um, and we'll get into to some of your journey as to, to what sure. brought you here. Sure. Um, what am I drinking? You are drinking Mui. We call it
2: Mooey Ordinary Bitter. That beer has had a little bit of a conflict with, uh, with style since the inception, and mostly due to a, we'll, we'll call it an identity crisis with that okay. beer. Uh, when we were presented with the, the, it's not necessarily a challenge, but what do we make as our, our light offering? Working, and again, I know we'll get to this later, but working in places like the Pony Bar or at uh, Newberg Brewing Company and these other wonderful places I've been at over the years, There's certainly, we'll say, stylistic trends, uh, but there's one consistent. People come in and right away, if they're intimidated by a menu or are not familiar with a menu or just creatures of habit and this is their thing, they will specifically ask for, I like this, I like hoppy. That's a very popular one, of course. I like something that tastes like a blue moon. Um, I want something light. So when we said, what's gonna be our something light, uh, working at Newberg, uh so closely with with Christopher uh, Chris Basso, and then he was under Garrett Oliver for years. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, aside from that, I I was already in love with English Tiles. and I think that's sort of one of the main veins that one of the main threads that we had that why we worked so well together, Chris and I. Uh, I said, well, hey, why not a uh, we had we made a great bitter there. Uh, Chris Chris makes a great bitter called Bitter English. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more of a it's a bitter. Uh, that, I would say, I would even argue is maybe more of an ordinary bidder. Uh, but I love Boddington's, and I said, well, shoot, we should uh, we should have a pub ale. Years ago, this is really the the trick. I used to hang out at this bar in Montreal. I'd go to Montreal twice a year, and I'd hang out at this bar, bar called, it, I don't know if it was called NYK's or Nick's or Neek's or, you know, it was NYK apostrophe S. Okay. And they always had... Uh, a pub ale on. It was essentially a cream ale, but it was way more of a bitter. Uh, they called it McCauslin's cream ale. Uh, of course, uh, Saint Ambre uh, No, uh, uh, I forget the name of the brewery up there in Montreal, McCauslin. Okay. And they'd made this amazing pub ale, and we had a Nitro line, and I said, I want to see that beer on Nitro all the time. Now we haven't done that. we we've, okay. we've we've we've, uh, we've we've learned that our customers don't necessarily. Want that beer on nitro all the time? Really? Uh, I I also like the fact that they don't want it on nitro all the time. I like that they want something else because that gives me the opportunity. We've had everything from sour ale to lager on nitro, which is really rad because a doppelbock on nitro is pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I'm of the firm belief, and I know people will disagree with me. As long as it's not an overly hoppy style, and I think if it's a more malt-forward style, right. uh, it can really benefit from nitrogenation. It can benefit from having a nitro Softer. tap. And so you have a dedicated nitro tap here uh, in your tasting room. Correct. So I'm looking at it right now, but it, it's not as popular as, as as you would think.
2: No, I think it's very popular. We we're an anomaly in this area. We have a, ca- a different cask every week, and we always have a nitro beer on. Okay. And they sell very well. Maybe it's because we have we've designed it so that we total will have nine beers available. Sometimes, I think once in our history have we had Nitro Draft Cask be uh, an English Amber Ale, Opus. We don't okay. have it on right now, but that that was really awesome because what that gave us the opportunity to do a gave me the opportunity to enjoy the beer we brew here three different ways. Mm-hmm. But also, hey, this is what this is the same beer came out of the same tank. Same process. Check it out these three ways. Conditioned in a cask, served on nitro, served on draft, Uh, and, and, you know, with more carbonation and things. So it's not that Mui was ever intended to totally be a pub ale only. We always wanted to have it on draft, make sure we had it on hand pull as well, or gravity pull even. But, uh, you know, bar top, pin, cask, firkin. The uh, Mui... Was modeled after that McCauslin Cream Ale. Okay. So when we first we put it out, I think we put it out as a bitter, uh, and this is to answer your original question. We put it out as <laughs> I a bitter. It's gonna say I was gonna put you back the track, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Everybody said, uh, or people would say, "Oh, I don't like something bitter, or uh, I want something hoppy," and they would taste it like, "This isn't hoppy enough. This isn't bitter." It's right. so, Like, well, this is a style, you know. So, um, so we we change it to English Cream Ale. Okay. Sold very well, and i said uh, look you know let's let's let 's call it what it is yeah. here. It really is probably more of a uh, a special or best bitter mm-hmm. because of its alcohol content it 's always clocked in at mm-hmm. about four seven to five so right. four eight uh, but it, for all intents and purposes, it is an English style bitter um, but the uh, the interesting thing about it until recently it was all uh, it was all Belgian malt and all American hops.
1: Um, <laughs> Nothing English about it. Yeah.
2: Right. Well, the, our, our yeast okay. strain really is what uh, – and our water profile was what we tried to commit to with that. But we have changed it. Now it is um, it is pale a, a pale malt, Marisader, you know, uh, malt. And uh, I think actually that beer – no, that beer is still American hops. But just it's so low hopped that – and the way we're using them, I don't know that – I'm sure a trained palate – could detect it and I've never had anybody call us out on it but I wouldn't be upset to admit it you know again it won, it won silver at GABF so it must be doing something right in the
1: mild category
2: in the bitter cat in the bitter category. Oh, ordinary standard bitter category okay. that's what we entered it under because I think that's what it
1: fulfills the best okay uh, so. uh, was there feedback from the judges that you've yeah. seen yet yeah
2: well, yeah we got all four scorecards back to uh, Nemo and Mui were the were medal winners and their scorecards were you know of course uh, we'll say near flawless they were yeah. beautiful uh, a third actually advanced to the next round that's a beer called Merci that we do it's an imperial black saison not that that's a style it's but awesome. um, it's I mean, an I've said styles
1: yeah. uh, styles exist but they've become meaningless in beer these days oh, right. it's yeah
2: well and that's the blurred line that we try to explore here sure you know part of the reason we're so dedicated to this uh, we haven't made an IPA yet. I'm not anti-IPA. We just haven't made an English IPA, so I refuse to call it that. But, but w- you get
1: accused of being anti-IPA, oh, big, time. big time. Okay.
2: And and the people who do that, accu- uh, the ac- accusations probably have never stepped foot in here because if they would, they would know that, or maybe they haven't just left because it never says IPA on the board. But there are very hoppy offerings that they'd be like, oh, this is. Precisely what I'm looking for.
1: All right. Well, let me back up just because I'm 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 really curious about this because you have if this is your 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 pub ale if moves your 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 pub ale your house beer, right. you've obviously put some thought into what you want to serve people. And, and we're here in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Uh, it is a, it's is—it's an old steel town. Uh, it's trying to reinvent itself uh, and has been for the last uh, couple of decades and is modestly successful as being an artistic community. Uh, but we are, um, but it's still an old steel worker's town. And we are firmly in Yingling Country yep. where uh, an amber-ish lager uh, reign supreme. I mean, you you have no shot in hell of you know getting one of those taps at any bar in this area because that's going to keep places uh, in, in in the works. So, putting the thought into having a house beer that isn't, let's say, abrasive to folks who have not fully grabbed onto the craft beer culture, as it were. Um, I think if you were in New York City, it might be a little bit different if you were in Boston or, yeah, Philly, or one of those. But here, this is sort of um, an an island, so it was very deliberate for you, um, you know, to do that. Um, To the point that you were making before on having it three different ways of uh, cast, draft, and and, and nitro, Um, is that sustainable in the long run? Is that something that you, because you have people coming through all the time who, for the first time.
2: Right. And so, that's where Opus Amber comes in. You know, when when I was homebrewing, I had the same, we'll say, obsession and preferences that I do now. I think I made one IPA as a homebrewer. Or, you know, one IPA, one Belgian pale ale. Yeah. Uh, I, I like hoppy beer, I just don't prefer to make it and there's a lot available i don't know what it is exactly i, I couldn't tell you that i was more into the esoteric or what wasn't unavailable to me and uh, like we've spoken about before and, and maybe people who are meeting me for the first time orally <laughs> visually uh, whatever um, the, the the idea behind opus was i was doing so much traveling and i fell in love with american amber i was, I was like whoa this is a perfect beer for me it's It's actually English, you know, more so. We'll say, I mean, maybe a little bit more hopped, but with American hops. But where, where is this? Why is nobody really making this in the Northeast? And there were a few available hopback amber things like this, but they were more hoppy. They weren't as uh, malt forward, and they were a little too strong. I wanted that Alaskan amber. I wanted that fat tire, you know, the time especially. So I started making those as a home brewer, and we actually named that beer after a dog that lived on our street named Opus. was a french bulldog the beer became the cat dog amber ale because he was a little son of a bitch and he looked like a cat and he had the (laughs) attitude of a cat and he had the butthole of a cat you know he looked like a cat but he was a dog so uh with respect to his canine personality and his feline um physicality we we called it the cat dog amber ale what i quickly realized as a as when i went professional we redrew our logo and the opus that you see now all over the tap room and everywhere that opus is actually modeled after a dog that I grew up with named Lola, okay. who was a French bull. Um, I'm sorry, who was a pit bull. Okay. So we kept the name opus because I realized that this perfecting this ambriel was my work. This was my opus. Um, this was where I was going after. So opus ambriel. Actually, this is the first time in a long time we've only had, we've only had two spells where we didn't have opus on. We have opus in the tank right now. But that's my answer to the Yingling drinker. That's. Opus and Mui, we've brewed in perpetuity since we've opened, we'll say. We've never ran out of Mui. Um, we'll hopefully <laughs> on the not table. run out of Opus yeah. again. Uh, and if we do, if that, I'm a little bit more okay with that. I'd really prefer to see Mui on all the time. If we had flagships, we would call these our flagships. Opus uh, was the, like I said, was the and Mui were the answers to the local drinkers. If you look at the untapped reviews, they were really low until... Do you look uh, at the untapped? No, not anymore. I actually had a, an incident, we'll say, uh, uh, over the summer. Somebody called Did you Scottish get in the sandbox? Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, big time. Oh, big time. Oh, I, I threw sand in somebody's eye, and then I realized that I was the one crying. So uh, I used to go on, and I would simply toast everybody every night. I thought that if you give me attention, if you give us, if you give Bond Place Brewing Company attention, uh, directly giving me attention, I should at least... Return that favor, Uh, sure. And at least acknowledge that I saw it. Thank you for your feedback. And one time, this person wrote on their uh, Scottish breakfast. I don't know, one star, one bottle cap, two bottle caps, whatever. And by the way, Greg Avola, great guy. Nothing against Untapped. Let's just uh, let's Uh, just say that right away. He's not reviewing
1: all of the beers, right? Yeah, yeah, no. And and
2: I think he provided a great service. But just to sort of show you how how little it matters. Um, So uh, I'm reading the Untapped review. I was in the brew house. It was a Sunday, and I see. uh, Scottish breakfast, one bottle cap, uh, beers, da butyric, and they spell butyric, not butyric so I wrote back this diatribe. I was like, I think what you mean is butyric, and I'll have you know, we have a beer right now that is butyric. It's sitting in the basement, not to be served unless it cleans up. And what you mean is phenolic, which is appropriate to style for a Scotch ale, and da-da-da-da-da-da. And I was like, what? You don't even have five minutes to hang out with your wife and child. And you have five minutes to go on this (laughs) ridiculous thing? To yell at some anonymous guy
1: on on Untapped, yeah.
2: Yeah, so I I actually, I I made a commitment that day to never go on again. Uh, But people insist on telling me how beers are performing. And we have seen a boost in Mui since since it got that award. Same recipe, same beer, right? But since it got the
1: award, well, end. when you say award winning, uh, I mean Miller Lite uses that in its sure. uh, in its Pats advertising. Yeah. PVR uses that as well. Yeah, no, of course. I mean it, it. And and having been a GABF judge for the last couple of years, I mean there's a lot of hard work that goes into it, and there's a lot of shitty beer that we taste, uh, especially in that first round, and you hope that what you kick forward. Um, will continue to perform well and continue to, to, to rise to the top. And I've never been surprised by gold medal winners, silver medal, bronze medal winners at GABF. Like right. when you taste something, it's like, okay, out of everything uh, that's entered, I can see this making sense. Right. And so, um, but are you finding now, because again, you're not in one of these areas where you um, uh, I, I don't want to say people aren't savvy because of course they are, but they're used to, to something different and you know, you're just off the main drag here, uh, pretty close to downtown. You have this small little space that uh, is you know, it's, it's very homey, it's very funky. Um, you know, are you getting people who are clearly venturing out of their comfort zone and did you anticipate that? Or when you opened up, did you think yeah. like, oh, I'm just going to get the beer geeks in the greater Bethlehem area?
2: I, I never anticipated getting as many beer geeks as we do, and we don't really get them. Uh, they okay. don't tend to like me, what I do. Um, I could say something stupid, and and, and they're already pissed at me. Uh, I find that beer enthusiasts okay. and beer snobs really like this place. Okay. Um, with more respect to style. Uh, the beer geek who's just looking to collect some cans and drink the next hoppy thing or the next sour thing, uh, they might like some of our beers, and, and I, I love when they do. You know, that's really nice. But... Uh, so to bring it all together and wrap that that, that all into a yeah. nice package, we sent four beers to GABF. Um, <laughs> I I, uh, I made a game day audible decision to send a fresher batch of one of those uh, beers in. It was a, a pale ale, mm-hmm. very happy. Um, the beer was judged and three scorecards came back great, two flawless, one you know night advanced to the next round. Better examples on the table, but great beer. Okay, cool. The one came back. Just what happened? Diacetyl detected. Slick. Da 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 da. Wow. That beer is one of our highest rated beers on Untapped in our tap room. Interesting. It's a very, It's a beer called Scooch. I think that it was just never got to reabsorb. I don't know that it had diacetyl when we served it in the tap room. I'm pretty sensitive to it. Yeah. Point. point case in point. We could put something hoppy. We got a beer coming out called Skippy the Bush Kangaroo. It's all Galaxy and Waka and oh, yeah. Pacific Gem. It'll do pretty well. Whenever we put Bunny Farm out, it does pretty well. These are two, three week beers, you know, on draft, mm-hmm. gone. Yeah. Mooey will sit around for four or five weeks, and we've seen an increase in sales, of course, now that people are more aware of it. Uh, we've gotten some really great press about it, uh, especially within the industry. A lot of brewers and people like this, and you know, the the famous line is, uh, look to the brewers to see what the next trend is. Yeah. Um, they tend to like those beers, and I think there's an encouragement. Our guests here, the people who come in here, yes, I am surprised by... Uh, I'm just surprised by how many people come through the doors. Gina and I thought... My wife and I thought we were going to run this place forever yeah the two of us we're like oh we got this like no (laughs) i I mean you have two guys making beer right now and i'm I'm sitting here talking to you and normally i'd be doing something else uh, around the tap room but i may be in there with them as well we're just trying to keep up which is a really wonderful thing uh some might say a a, a nice problem to have but it's not a problem no as long as we as long as we don't run out of beer that to me that is a problem that's a little unprofessional but i feel like you know, being in the industry for so long and being able to temper that is a, is a nice thing. But we, we, could, we could run out of beer, too. You know, um, as, as unprofessional as I might say that may be, uh, I, I still maintain that. Uh, so I'm not shocked by the types of people who come in here. I'm shocked by how much they appreciate the beers that we want to make. So, for instance, we'll put a... Very happy beer in a cask with lactose and fruit, and that's we'll call that our sprinkles series. The first one was Titty Sprinkles, Right. and that was gone in five six hours. Of course, eleven gallons. See you later. Um, but we also put our dark mild in a cask. Um, I publicly announced it was probably the best beer we ever made, and I wasn't I wasn't lying. Actually, we did it again two weeks ago, and it had sulfur in it, so I had to dump most of it, wow. unfortunately. Uh, but that first go of it. Holy smokes! I mean, it sold in six hours as well, and now you're talking about a four-dollar pint. Again, with your uh, the the question, the comment about the Yingling drinker, the local drinker. We try to keep our prices reflect that as well. Okay. A dark mild, you know, if you're in the UK, a dark mild is a it's an inexpensive beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, a bitter is an inexpensive beer. So our pints are, you know, at this point four to six four to seven dollars usually four to six happy hour you're doing it for three to five
1: which which i just want to clarify for uh, our uh, midwestern listeners that for this <laughs> general area of the country is is a reasonable deal right, right. yeah right. sorry there's, good, there's gonna be people who are listening who are going good lord like what it's three dollars uh, for a pint <laughs> i know yeah it's uh, what, what happens to 50 i can get a, i can get a hams yeah. for 50 cents <laughs>
2: I love Milwaukee, by the way. If there's anybody listening in Milwaukee, please visit. I hope
1: there's somebody visiting, uh, listening from Milwaukee. Oh, it's a great city. What a great city. It's, it is such a great <laughs> city. It's, it's a perfect city. Um, it has my favorite brewery tour, which is Lakefront. Like, like? Oh, sure. Oh, Lakefront course. has the best brewery tour in the business. Now,
2: did you when was the last time you were there and took the tour? About a year ago. Uh, did you get a tour? Do you, would you remember Evan, Big Beard? Oh, yeah. Tall? Okay. Yeah, Evan. what a great guy. Evan now brews at
1: uh, Circa. You know, somebody told me that that Circo, he left to Circo. go brew. Okay, yeah. I didn't know where.
2: He's in Brooklyn now. Okay, he's he's by you.
1: I have to go over and, yeah, and, and say yeah, hi. Yeah, yeah, for
2: sure. And actually, uh, formerly of Six Point, uh, Danny is the head brewer there. So they got a really cool crew over there.
1: So before we we just start talking yeah, about yeah. who we know and yeah, uh, yeah, uh, right. uh, training ourselves, uh, <laughs> dropping names over here. Uh, thanks, to uh, yes. Adam. <laughs> Um, so you worked at the Pony Bar in New York, which, uh, for folks who don't know, is, is one of the city's great beer bars. Uh, you can read all about Manhattan in an upcoming issue of Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine and, and places to visit and, and cool things to do. And I want to – to to. It, it's one of those beer bars where they're so dedicated to what they're serving. There's, there's nothing that goes on tap uh, without thought. And what I've always been struck with is that the people who go in there are very deliberate about – being open minded. I, I never really thought that I would go in there with, you know, oh I really want to drink X today. I hope they have it. It was going to be, I'm going to drink whatever moves moves my fancy. And, and so as somebody who works stick there and who now works with the public in a different way, how do you find the consumers of who come to a brewery versus those who go to a beer bar?
2: Well so like, are they har- are talking- they harder
1: on you because you made the beer? Like I I, I don't I've imagine never experienced that. You- that okay.
2: Uh, personally, so we're talking New York City, two thousand
1: nine to two thousand twelve. And you just poured another beer, by the way. This is the this is like a pork smoked something. or
2: other. Yeah, basically. Man, yeah, I'm well, getting,
1: yeah, I'm getting bacon off of this. Well, like well, uh, crazy. we'll get to we'll that, to that huh? yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Well, th- this is actually going to bring our relationship oh, full of course, circle too. but yeah, too, All which right. is really cool. Cheers. Uh, so we're talking. Hmm. We're talking New York City, 2009 to 2012, as opposed to Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, 2007. What year? 2017? 2017. Yeah, we opened in 2016. So we used to get a lot more, uh, give me a Bud Light, give me a Miller Light, give me this and that. Uh, that was sort of more the approach at Pony for people who didn't know what they were getting into. Okay. We seldom have that here. We do have that here. Uh, typically, I find that it's more... And I am behind the bar. I was behind the bar every night, and I'm behind the bar often now. Uh, I find it's way more now, what do you have that's close to? Like, mm-hmm. they know what they're getting into. And then we do have people who come in, and they, they'll drink a beer, and they'll be like, whoa, this is great. Where is it made? And I'm like, but that's not a Hollywood <laughs> soundstage there. That's, that's a real brewery. That's a real-life brewery, and I'm a real-life brewery, you know? Uh, <laughs> that's, not the, that's not the Lehigh Valley accent, by the way. No, that's, no. That's my, uh, me playing myself. Um, <laughs> I, could, I could do the uh, Pennsylvania Dutch thing for you if you want. So, no, that's I, I f- fine, yeah, I <laughs> Oh boy, I hope somebody in Milwaukee's <laughs> listening. So uh, I'll be kicked out pretty soon. Uh, I find that people are maybe even like a bit more lenient. I don't know that they, they, uh, they expect, f- I don't know what their mindset is coming in here, but we have so many repeat customers and we have such a great community. I can't stress enough how amazing the people who come in here are okay now we do get the once in a while not yes and you know even some of the people who come in here with frequency can can be uh well we all get we all get drunk and silly sure uh but they're typically uh, the people who come in here with any regularity are very well behaved we're very respectful um and really seem to enjoy anything we do um you know, of course, there's the miss once in a while. Oh, I don't like black licorice, and you made a licorice double-bock. I don't want that.
1: And don't I, drink it. Right,
2: exactly. Well, and they're usually pretty fair about that. When I was looking at Untappd, there was the, like, uh, one bottle cap. I don't like Sours, and I don't like Cascales. Well, why would you order a Goza on cask? That was really silly of you, you yeah. know? <laughs> but that wasn't a regular customer, I and mean, we may have never seen that person again. I, I feel like people are maybe a bit more forgiving, Uh they feel more involved i'll give them tastes out of the tank sometimes and say hey i got something coming up for you that you're gonna love whoa how'd you, you know this is exactly my thing da, 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 da. and we get really we really know our customers here i take that danny meyer approach uh which is uh, the, just the setting the table and trying to give the best service possible and <laughs> i'm not always uh, i don't always do the best at that saturday night i had a, a, a I told the fella. He said, uh, "Hey, I've been waiting for ten minutes." I said, "Looks like you're gonna wait another 10. I immediately <laughs> regretted the decision, but uh, I think a week of of uh, you know my grandmother's funeral paired with uh, getting busy all at once. Our one of our uh, bartenders wasn't here this past weekend, so I was bartending and maybe not too happy about that. Sure. Uh, there was a culmination that that just uh, went right on that guy. I
1: mean, so again, when you when you worked for. When you're working for somebody else, when you're working at a bar, uh, a pony bar, um, you're working for tips. You're working for somebody else. You want to be able to continue to be paid, so you will, you know, do your best to come back uh, the next day to do a good enough job to be asked to come back the next day. Uh, here, it's got to be frustrating because when you're putting your 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 heart and soul into something and you're getting um, a lot of you know a lot of pushback or a little pushback or I, I mean I think. It's up for brewers to to. I, I think it's it's natural for brewers, I should say, to take things much more personally because um, this is personal. And I, I forget who it was, but there's a brewer who once told me that uh, this profession, being a brewer, is continuously acts in humility because it's about treating the customer right, even when you don't want to, especially in a day and age of Untapped and Yelp. Uh, but it's also humility because you can do your best, but sometimes the beer isn't going to do. What it wants to do, you're at the yeast's mercy. You're at, uh, you know, a, a storm rolled through and blew something into your to your tanks. So you're you're at, you know, it, there's there's a thousand different things. So it, it it's acts of humility, um, and I think that that's frustrating uh, for for a lot of brewers. And you're nodding in that way. Um, what, <laughs> Look familiar <laughs> for, for, for 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 folks who are thinking about getting into this, and 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 I think that there's still you know so many people who want to open up breweries. What's the thing that you've learned that has surprised you in the last year and a half of being open?
2: So when I was at Newberg Brewing Company, I was the assistant brewer there for two years, and I was also a bartender there. I was there, you know, sometimes 16 hours, you know, would start brewing at 6, 7 a.m. and finish bartending at midnight. And I always said, well, shoot, I'm doing this here. I can do this, we'll say, for myself. You know, I I can do this. I got this. Yeah. There's so much more involved. Uh, The two things I set out to do, make beer and serve beer, I'm I'm not really doing those two things. Okay. I have to run a business. And, uh, you know, a lot of the things that maybe one would anticipate me saying here, because there are so many variables with with beer making as opposed to a lot of other alcohol industries specifically. But from where the grain is grown to what kind of glass that beer is served in. Yeah. I mean, you could have a beer that's Perfection wins an award at World Beer Cup goes to a bar that doesn't clean their draft lines and you have a shit beer. Now right. you're being judged on that.
1: Or served in a in a frosty pint or right a dirty cold too right.
2: Absolutely. There are so many variables with beer. I knew that going into this. Uh, I don't You good? <laughs> okay. I didn't I, I don't think I realized how ex- Wait what well, what what does hops Oh. So the
1: fun thing about recording this podcast is <laughs> yeah, we are we're actually. Working. So the brewery is closed right now. We're we're sitting in the in the tasting room, and uh, Sam's guys are actually brewing uh, while we're uh, while we're doing a podcast. And now they're saying to Sam, "Go back and do your podcast. Yeah, go back to your they, little, they, they go back it. to your favorite fortune. Acts, uh, of, acts of humility. Um, <laughs> bougie. I'm a little bougie. My, I would say we're going to edit that out, but we're absolutely no, not. No, it. we're keeping that. This is this is real life. This is live. This yeah. is live. This yeah. is real Fuck it, we're real doing life. it live. Yeah,
2: AF, AF, as they say. <laughs> so I don't, I, you know, I don't. I guess the the biggest th- the biggest thing I've learned, yeah. Saturday night was a wake up call. I'll tell you the exact situation. This fellow comes in. Apparently, he's been in here a few times. We were short handed. Came to the bar. He saw somebody order growlers and get their growlers filled before he was served. In reality, what had happened was they had ordered their growlers before he even got to the bar. I forgot that we don't do growler fills after eight o'clock, nine o'clock on Fridays and Saturdays because we're so slammed. Yeah. Of course, one of the kegs kicked. I go to change it. It makes a mess, spurts everywhere. So now I'm cleaning up a mess, trying to fill growlers and helping customers. I told the guy I'd be right with him. Somebody walked up behind him that I knew. I said, hey, so-and-so. And, the fellows, and then so-and-so said, oh, he was here before me. I said, yep, I'm getting to him. I said, what can I get you, sir? And that's when he said, I've been here for 10 minutes. And I said, well, it looks like you're going to be here for another 10. Um, I can't say stuff like that. No,
1: and uh, I mean you can in your head. And and I think right. that that's a natural. That's a, That's a natural thing. But it, it, it is such a, a pins and needles thing. I think for 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 a lot of brewers as well. It's like, you have one moment of frustration, and if you're a guy who uh, is is prone to uh, wearing his heart on his sleeve, uh, as I think so many in this industry are. Oh, it's a passionate. Th- there, <laughs> there's a reason that there's a lot of folks who work front of house and brewers right. stay. Back of house.
2: I think I held my own, certainly, at the Pony Bar, representing somebody else's brand. Yeah. Uh, there were four of us. It was it was Mariana, Susanna, Henry, and myself. Mm-hmm. And then Paco, uh, Every Day. I mean, there was it was really f- five of us running that. And then, of course, the guys in the kitchen, I can't take any credit away from them, but as far as front of the house, there were five of us. Uh, and that was the face of the Pony Bar. Now, Dan McLaughlin was and Pat Hughes were by no means the Wizards of Oz or the... Uh, well, the Willy Wonkas—they were very present, and maybe, maybe more than others, or maybe less. But people knew who they were. But we, we were almost like this first line of defense, right? I have to learn how to become that Willy Wonka here. You know, uh, if you know, we still we we are very active in social media. Maybe some of the listeners know about our our Instagram videos. If they don't, they're. They're quirky. They're something. Yes. (laughs) Yes, they are. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Again,
1: in the latest issue of Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine, uh, we profile um, uh, Sam and his team and his brewery here. And Jeff Quinn, who's a great photographer, a great friend, uh, came out to shoot and – you you recapped what what you said to him. I'm going to pointing at you to so, yeah.
2: So Jeff said to me, uh, hey, so we were in the back just taking photos. He goes, well, what do you what do you want me to capture here? And I said, well, uh, we're we're kind of quirky, we're kind of weird. And I said the same thing. I don't know if you've seen our Instagram videos, but listen, man, you want me with my shirt off, G A B F medals around my neck, shotgunning a beer, I'll do it. And he said, great. And, and that's I said, in the magazine. <laughs> uh,
1: uh, Jamie Bogner uh, and I, uh, we we saw the 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 proofs come in, and I had to call Jeff, and I was like, "What the hell?" And he was like, "Hey, man, it was totally crazy. It was a lot of fun. It was really great, and and we loved the shots, and it was something unlike we had, we you know, right. the magazine, as far as I know, has never published anything like that before. So 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 thank you. No, thank you. You know, when you're saying though the Willy Wonka thing, um, what what was your expectation of what you would be? as a small business owner, as a brewer, right. versus reality? I really thought that Like, what's be, the one thing you're missing I, I, the most? I
2: pictured D.H. Uh, Lawrence era, you know, post-industrial England, mom and pop, yeah. you know, running the shop, serving lard on bread, and uh, pints of porter. I really thought this was going to be an English pub, and it is, but we're in a college town. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, it's, well, you're looking for the television for the I football was, games. I was looking for the television. <laughs> We've done it. We okay. actually had a, a really neat little private event on a Sunday one time. We put a TV up there. I was going to yeah. say,
1: but it's blocked by a... Uh, uh, barn door. B- yeah.
2: We put a t- we have a TV up there and we had two hand pulls or uh, two gravity pours. We had Mui and Nemo with the medals hanging around them as a thank you to all the people who let us make those beers and drink those beers and make those beers what they are. Right. Because... Let's face it. As much as as stubborn as I am, and as much as I love making those beers, if they didn't sell, well, I, I could well I can't sit on beer forever. Yeah. Uh, we love English styles here. Uh, it's Talk to me about your brew house. Actually, yeah. uh, it's a seven b- it's a seven barrel. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's a seven barrel brew house, wood clad, modeled after a uh, Peter Austin
1: system, which is um, not something that you see in the U.S. all that much. No, and we didn't
2: do the whole brick. The brick, uh, brick line, okay. you know. Uh, but it is a uh, – when, when I was ordering equipment, I was actually going to order from from England. Right. And I found an American company who no longer exists. Who were they? Uh, SysTech. Okay. Stainless. There's going to be people who listen to this and stop listening right around now because they're so <laughs> upset with them. We we bought from them at a time where they were making super high quality and they did a killer job. And they did it exactly to our specifications. I said, I want a wood clad system. You know, gas fired this, electric fired this, da 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 da, to mimic uh, a Peter Austin or uh, rather a uh, like a uh, what's his name? Uh, I'm gonna mess up the name, so I'm not even gonna say it. But uh, again, we were gonna order from the UK and we ended up finding an American manufacturer that made it for us. Uh, we're certainly not an English pub in every way. I like to think that we are appropriate for the area we're in. We're in a steel town. There's a lot of steel. There's there a lot is. of metal. There's a lot of uh, open space and but at the same time it's
1: industrial chic
2: industrial. yeah there you go industrial chic oh hey oh, that's that. us that's yeah. me <laughs> party in the front party in the back <laughs> party all day uh, you know saying that about the, the craft beer and brewing thing was cool because you know I like to think that we do a, a, we maintain doing a nice job of being we're like a Viking village we like to have fun we like to but we also feel like what we put out the product we put out is of quality. Yeah. Uh, that's not usually what you see. And a lot of people take themselves very seriously, and I understand that. And a lot of people get treated that way. I'm a goofball. It's reflected in our beers. It's reflected in our beer names. It's reflected in our tap room. So we had to make it. And, and if I'm going to spend 16 hours a day someplace, you know, working over 100 hours, uh, again, being a business owner, uh, and that sort of answers that question too, yeah. I had to make it a space I'm comfortable in. And of course, you can't do that without you can't design a space without putting you into it.
1: But see, I, I yes, and I, I think that that's a very smart way of thinking about it, but there are so many breweries, especially back in the older days, um, but even still that I walk into these days, where they're so focused on the beer That the tasting room or the the surrounding area of the brewery has gotten almost no attention and it's like it feels like it's a a frat house afterthought with a couple of beat-up couches and you know uh, you know TVs with wires exposed and just sort of hanging on the wall having the Food Network on in the middle of a Saturday afternoon you know uh, in in uh, non-college football season which just sort of strikes me that there's not a lot of uh, thought you know that goes into it so you guys obviously put a lot of thought into the materials to where you are uh, to what you wanted it to be even though Bethlehem was never in your original plan
2: it was actually that's oh, okay. a funny thing it was and then it wasn't because and let's get. I thought to, South Jersey was in it, your it yeah. was that wasn't the original plan okay. we got sidetracked because Gina's grandmother passed away my wife's grandmother passed away and left behind a farm and we were like New Jersey's first farmhouse brewery sure wonderful well, then we found out why New Jersey had no farmhouse breweries, especially sure. South Jersey. Okay. Uh, well, which is where a majority of the
1: farms are. But originally you wanted to be here.
2: Originally, yeah. Well, so I was working at Newburgh. So okay, well, I'll I'll get into the taproom yeah. thing. It was very deliberate. When we designed it, you know, we worked with an architect locally to 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 make sure it was compliant with everything, and and he came up with some really great ideas that we went with. Uh, he actually came up with the stable idea. I I don't know that I saw that originally. It was supposed to be, uh, we'll say like knee-high walls and uh, oh, a barn I get it look. Oh, now. Yeah. Uh, and he was like, well, how about, if you're if you're talking barn, we always wanted to be in a church or a barn. Okay. So he said, you're talking barn, how about a stable? So that was really rad. Uh, we worked with an amazing contractor, uh, East, Muir, uh, East Muir Construction uh, Custom Builders out of uh, Collegeville. And it was Simon East the guy who runs the company, He's from Australia, You know, his seven guys and myself just went to it. I, I demoed everything with a couple friends, and then the eight of us just went to it, and, and I mean, why I say us, I mean the eight of them. <laughs> uh, let's face it, I mean, I, I just did finishing touches and maybe helped out here and there, but they really just did a, such an awesome job of maintaining what I wanted to see. Furniture was all us, you know, aside from like maybe this table or the bar tops, that was them. But it was very deliberate, and I feel like the trends, a couple weeks ago, we had a, a very large brewery approach us to talk to us about what we do here. Mm. This very large brewery, although not a macro, um, this large brewery has been extremely influent, influential in the craft beer scene, mm-hmm. and they want to know what we're doing. What are we? Pardon me one second. Pardon me. Keep talking, John. Go. Wow. Let's
1: go. Sam. Go let's let's Sam go! actually just jumped up from the table. <laughs> that's, uh, he that's, uh, ran towards the door, <laughs> and now he's back. That's a uh, brewery.
2: Bruce is a professor, or uh, no, I'm sorry, he's an administrator at Lehigh, and he runs every day, and I always like to encourage him Okay. Uh, to, to go, Bruce, go. I can't miss it. Uh, so we have quite a community here. He's, it's amazing. Um, so so for those
1: of you who, who listen to this podcast regularly, uh, Jamie is the guy who uh, edits these and puts these together, and it's at this point of him sitting in the office in Fort Collins, Colorado, uh, putting his hands on his temples and just... Going, Wondering. what the hell? <laughs> Who is are you all gonna, doing? Yeah. Uh, go, Bruce! Go, yeah, go Bruce! Go! <laughs> yeah. Is uh, I'm going to work that into the. Uh, it it, to, it to can the, get in yeah. there
2: somewhere. I'll let them know that it's in there. <laughs> to
1: the description of this episode. All right. So, so a so large uh, craft brewer.
2: Yep. So they want to know what we're doing, and the reason okay.
1: they want to know what we're doing
2: is because they're expanding opportunity, and we're. Uh, I like to say that we're not expanding here. We're not exploding. We're imploding. Okay. Um, and that can be scary because <laughs> yeah. it's an old building. Um, <laughs> again, here's that. <laughs> yeah, where, here's that knocking. The, yeah. uh, I'd like to see. I'm, I'm exploring revenue opportunities from within because we sell every drop on premise. We don't distribute at all.
1: Right. So we can and keep you don't our package. Prices. You don't. Uh, no, not, aside from growlers. No.
2: No. Yeah. We we just ended up in cans uh, with our name on the label because. Soul Artisan and Bond Place brewed a beer together down at Freewill. Oh, nice! And, and it Sol, was canned.
1: Soul's out in Easton, Easton correct? So, uh, yeah, just, based, uh, their, their headquarters east are in here. Easton. Yeah.
2: Yep, exactly. Yeah, not too. We have a really nice relationship. We have a great community in every way. Sure. Whether it's beer, well, it's all beer related, but whether it's government or beer, mm-hmm. um, it's a wonderful community. So, I feel like you know there's a trend going that way. Now, I'm not saying that you can't sustain a production brewery these days. That is not by any means what I'm saying. I don't know that I want to get into that. If, if the opportunity were to arise, which we do have an opportunity coming up to maybe package some beer and see some light distribution, I may go for it, we may go for it, and see what opportunities exist within that. But really the idea behind Bond Place was, and it's in our business plan, which is on the wall over there, the drawing over there, the uh, The beer was never supposed to be ancillary, secondary, uh, an afterthought. The tap room was always the focus. What I like to say is if the beers are the trophies, you need a nice showcase to put those trophies into. That's a nice way of putting it. Now, if I don't have that showcase, if we don't have that showcase, if Bond Place doesn't have that showcase, the trophies. I mean, yeah, you could drink this beer in a uh, drab concrete setting. I mean, maybe that's what. Maybe that's that's the reflection of it. Maybe that's what you want. You know. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that warehouse approach. I think that's a really cool thing too. Um, in fact, I, I like a lot of breweries. I love a lot of breweries like that. But for Gina and I, when we were designing this, it was really about. How can we reflect our personality, our beer preferences, our beer styles? And you want to smell the beer being brewed. You want to smell fermentation. You want to. So you have to engage all five senses here. This yeah. is very visceral. You can't hear beer. I mean, right. you can hear carbonation, you can hear fizz, you can hear the act of beer being poured. But what you can hear is chatter, you can hear conversation, you can hear music, you can feel vibes. I mean, let's go Sixth Sense here and feel, okay. you know I mean, in my, in my opinion. Sure. No, there,
1: there, there are certain times when you walk into a brewery and it feels like it's a place that there's just a good energy in the absolutely. room. Absolutely. Or you make it yourself. I remember, you know, going into bars back in the day with a bunch of friends and like, you know, there's a jukebox that you can control and like you put on your own music and everybody just starts remember having that. a good time. And yeah. Those were, those were the good old days. Uh, and now it's Guys all, our age you know, remember from, that. I know. It's, oh God, it's. <laughs>
2: Yeah, i got uh, i got into the game a little late compared to some like my buddy cj up at wall and Pop X 22 yeah and he's crushing he's over to like the head brewer of a 20 barrel brew house gorgeous brew oh house. my god what a facility yeah huh? i got to brew up
1: we, we did a saison together that's it's right we were talking about that absolutely we were to get together. yeah we're gonna put it on soon it's a
2: fodder condition saison because they have fodders uh, we'll up country there. beer yeah we yeah. have
1: one here okay
2: um and So we're big, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Pocono Mountain.
1: So we have a house uh, about uh, 10 miles from there. And oh, I was neat. at the grocery store. I was working on a new book. I was, uh, I was up there. Uh, right across the, the street. Summer. Right. And, and I'm, I'm looking. I'm like, wow, that, those look like tanks through the window. I'm like, but that used to be an RVs. Yeah. And, uh, you yeah. know, stopped in. And what's sort of amazing is at this point, like, no matter where you go, uh, there's a lot of really good beer. A nitro oh, yeah, we're going to pour a nitro porter. Yeah. Sorry. I was instructed. No, okay.
2: And there is. Uh, there, and, and there's a lot of that's see that's the thing, and it depends on your approach. So our approach here, and this this is by no means I'm not, I'm not speaking for everybody who works here because I don't know I mean Ryan over here who's pouring us our beer yeah um, happens to really enjoy hoppy American beers. Uh, so Josh does too. I do as well. Right. Uh, it's not necessarily all of our preference to make them, but what's what's really nice about the dynamic here is it is a team effort and it is. Uh, a lot of teamwork makes the dream work here. So when I say <laughs> when Gina and I, it's because these guys weren't working here yet. It's not that these guys don't necessarily appreciate it or I just can't speak for them. But when we designed the brewery and, we, you know, the idea was that the beers, although in in our opinion came first, the taproom had to reflect that. We actually – I burn sage in here um, almost weekly.
1: We do have a spirit. To get Ooh. rid of the bad yeah, yeah. Well,
2: and, and they've actually proved that physically that actually – Sage burning certain herbs put positive ions into the atmosphere, which then take negative ions sure. and drop them out of suspension. Yeah, no, you I mean, are the actually taking, based taking in negative.
1: E- we we know about burning that, herbs, yeah, but yeah, yeah, burning negative uh, energy. Yeah.
2: yeah, well, there's a lot of that too. I mean, <laughs> let's face it. Um, not for all of it's us, just uh, the brewing, maybe industry just Kevin because he's a reefer yeah. addict. Uh, and I can't wait till he listens to that. All
1: right, so so <laughs> if, before we start going down too many uh, uh, various tangents because I do want to talk about this beer that's in front of us, but the <laughs> the other thing that that uh, I'm sure piqued the interest of a lot of listeners is you talked about having a direct fire system yeah. and having that. I mean, it, it's not something that you see all that much in brew houses these days and because it's just not always, Convenient? Well, we sort of maybe have a hybrid. We actually have an electric fired kettle.
2: We okay. have a direct fire hot liquor tank. Okay. And the design idea behind that was getting the kettle to temperature efficiently and quickly. Okay. Um, it's direct induction. It's not super, it's not tremendously traditional. Um, somebody like, uh, what do you call a, Why a hit, did you want it? Uh, I was thinking economic and in the long term, long run, I mean, electricity is a bit more expensive, but it's a lot easier to install and to protect, you know, with the with the gas you need fire boxes and you need a lot more uh, sanctions and variances and things like this, whereas with the direct fire there's nothing but electric elements directly input into a kettle. It's it's six in one, half a dozen in the other usually, uh, if I may use that phrase, Paul Um but it, it, it is really, uh, it was you. it was again by design with great intent. We didn't do steam because we have no room for a boiler. Every brewery I've ever worked at or interned at I interned at Chelsea Brewing Company when it was in Manhattan for years um, and I worked at Newburg, and those were both steam jacketed systems that neither of them were direct fire. So for, uh, for me, it was really a matter of how do I do this efficiently, quickly, get us open and to my design specs. We find that electric works pretty well here. I can't get a crystal clear, like our SRM is usually a little high because there is caramelization. I've never found scorched wort except one time very early on. Um, Something came across maybe a little bit phenolic or uh, maybe even a little okay. um uh, from like some scorched wort. It, it, uh, and then actually a second time, Ryan and I had a stuck mash with a wheat beer and some of, that, some of those proteins adhered to the elements and gave it a, a scorch. Uh, otherwise, we've had some nice results. With the electric, we we clean it really well. Gas fired on the kettle, on the hot liquor tank. So, you know, God forbid the electric goes out for a day. At least we have hot water on demand to do other processes. And to get water to temp, uh, it doesn't have to be as quickly. We could do it a little bit more slowly, but uh, efficiently and cost-wise. Gotcha. That was the idea behind that.
1: Okay. That makes sense. Uh, Yeah. And we
2: do have a double-capacity hot liquor tank. We could theoretically do a double-brew day. Uh, There's you know we, we just Do did a, try not to though we've never done one here we, we couldn't before because our heat exchanger was such a pile of shit we just <laughs> got a new one and now we're casting out in like 25 minutes which is rock wow. yeah, it's, yeah well it's awesome thermaline is like i'm going to give them a plug thermaline kills it <laughs> the one we had before was a pile of shit from china that just sucked oh, ass yeah. oh it was awful um, for for people out there listening that don't know what a heat exchanger does it exchanges heat <laughs> it gets worked into your fermenter. Um, it gets I love that <laughs> You
1: waited to say that until I was taking a sip of a nitro yeah. porter. So thanks. Yeah. That hey. Was like,
2: oh, you're not allergic to cherries, are you?
1: <laughs> there are cherries. Now, now yeah, yeah. Right.
2: I know. I'm thinking about anaphylactic like Giving somebody. Yeah. There are cherries no, in there. Uh, it says it on the board. It doesn't say it when face to face. Great.
1: The board that's around the corner. Right.
2: Sure. Um, John Hall's dead. Everybody. <laughs> he didn't make it eight years. He was right.
1: <laughs> um we were drinking a beer before this Nitro Porter came, and you're still very connected to the homebrew community. Yeah. Uh, you started off as a homebrewer. I'm right. not giving away too much because people should go and read the magazine uh, or check out the the profile of you online uh, when it gets up online. But you're still – but you were a homebrewer. Um, you have uh, your Mr. Beer Kit hanging up here. You're, uh, um, uh, you recognize where you came from, and you're still very active in and aware of and sort of – encouraging of the of, of the homebrew community. Absolutely.
2: We get it. So they were the hardest community to win over. I couldn't give two fucks about the beer geeks cuz sure. they don't typically like me anyway. If they do like me, I'm I'm That's thrilled. Cool. Yeah, I mean, look, they're not paying they're not paying the rent here. They want again, they want beer in cans, they want the next thing if they ever decide they want it. I'm more than. Uh, the board even says, all are welcome here, just don't be a jerk. It's okay. supposed to say don't be a dick, but kids come in here. Yeah.
1: Um, the homebrew
2: community was a community that— Because we
1: reserve the right to
2: refuse service. That's right, that's says, actually yeah. a law that has to be hung somewhere. Wow. Legibly. So okay. we did it. Uh, well, the, the refuse service part, not the dick part. Yeah. Uh, Keystone <laughs> Homebrew. I don't know what happened <laughs> to the Commonwealth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, listen, it's draconian in some ways, other ways, it's very progressive. Uh, two, two blocks away from here is Keystone Homebrew. They're awesome. Ryan actually. great people, yeah. Oh, amazing. Uh, their crew is one, wonder- like, even before I was, before I opened a brewery, and, and the homebrewers were a hard crowd. I mean, they were like, oh, great, another, because like, when we first moved here, the local newspaper said, New York actor to open brewery. <laughs> what the fuck? Everybody thinks Robert De Niro's going to walk through town, and there comes me. Never says anything about Newberg Brewing, Chelsea Brewing, Pony Bar. New York actor from Tony
1: and Tina's Wedding. Which is, uh, Uh, and what a show. Oh, it was great. What a show. Well, that taught me a lot about customer service. What an immersive experience. Yeah, well,
2: listen, I mean, I I do it every night here. Yeah. (laughs) Some people belong behind the bar and some people belong far away from the bar or on the other side. So Ryan actually, uh, uh, you met Ryan before, the the ginger ninja for our listeners who are familiar. Um, He works at Keystone Homebrew and that's actually, that's where I found him. You know, being a red-haired person, he okay. was uh, <laughs> Just abandoned. The, uh, yeah. yeah,
1: standing among the cardboard. Soulless
2: yeah. among the monk. No, uh, he he's <laughs> he's thumbing he's thumbing up right now. Yeah. Uh, reminder: they are they are working right now. Uh, <laughs> don't feed the brewers. So Ryan works there, actually. He, he splits his time between us and them. We have an awesome relationship. Homebrewers will come in here, and they'll ask me for recipes, or we'll talk about beer styles. And uh, it's very encouraging for both sides. We've actually had one, one homebrewer who comes in here, amazing guy, Richard Kahn. Uh, Dr. Pepper, we call him, because he loves hot peppers, and we, we share hot peppers. He actually provided our wild yeast for our 100% Pennsylvania beer we did. We did a spontaneous, well, he did a spontaneous ferment. We harvested, cropped, and propped that yeast strain and made a 100% Pennsylvania beer, uh, it's like a super Belgian Saison. It is out of control. It's so cool. But he wasn't doing stuff like that before he met us, and quite frankly, I wouldn't have had that yeast if he didn't capture it for us. Interesting. So, yeah, we have a really great relationship with the homebrewers, and I don't I don't forget where I came from. I mean, I did it for years. I continued to do it even while I was uh, working At breweries, and actually, that's so Harry, the guy, the beer you were talking about is a uh, a Scotch ale. Okay, it's uh, it's based on our recipe for Scottish breakfast. Harry wanted to make a Scotch ale. He might be working with a brewery in New Jersey. I don't know that I'm able to say which one because I don't know that
1: they want to release the information. Yeah, we don't have to.
2: Yeah, so. They approached him about smoking some malt for him because Harry just because people don't necessarily yeah, yeah, know right. so Harry, Harry you know Harry everybody knows Harry, Harry Sheldon, Hain, of course from, from Haynes, Haynes Pork, pork shop, shop the yeah. oldest pork shop in America uh, in 1865
1: which by the way is, is, is if you're ever finding yourself in that part of, of Jersey uh, you have to go and I think that's the last time I saw you in person was I was researching another uh, cookbook a Jersey cookbook and then uh, we like stood around for about two or three hours, you guys had just like finished like butchering a hug. Right. And we're standing around and it's like the metallic sense of blood is in the air and we're all popping IPAs. And, we had uh, just yeah. brewed Pigtail Pale Ale yeah. for the
2: second time, first time. Right. Harry wanted to start home brewing. Okay. Harry Sheldon, owner of uh, of uh Haines Haines pork, pork Shop. Shop. Yeah. Oldest pork store in America, 1865, <laughs> family owned. Um, in you, are nothing. you are nothing Things if not on point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my wife is from that town. So again, when Gina and I got sidetracked, by her grandmother's passing and the farm being available, we ended up in South Jersey and tried to open up down there. I ended up working at Haynes Pork Shop. Re-met John. Actually, we'll say met John because I met you there. Oh I mean, sure. I probably met you prior at oh, either yeah, uh, we were at Extreme out Beer pony, Fest, sure. yeah. uh, ACBF, Pony Bar, whatever. Um, so Harry wanted to start homebrewing, so I was like, well, let's. What do you want? He said he wanted an IPA. So I said, well, how about how about this, this, and this? I'm really into these Pacific Jade hops and I love Cascades. Let's let's make a really malt forward. English IPA hybrid, um, you know, it's more American in the hopping, but English in the ESB. And it became a, an extra pale ale is yeah. what we called it. That's actually, that was like when I started, I'm like, I'm not making an IPA unless it's an <laughs> IPA, <laughs> damn it. So I brewed that with Harry. You came by like two weeks later. So yeah. it was like just barely ready. And we spoke about that. So Harry and I are like, I mean, we're thick as thieves. He's, he's my homeboy, man. Like he he was my saving grace down there. He was so encouraging. He's been up here to help me a couple times. Uh, and he wanted to do a Scotch Ale. I said, well, Harry, why don't you do a Scotch Ale? Instead of using peat smoked malt, smoke it with your smoker with your seasoning, because they have that family recipe. So what you were tasting before is Harry's version of Scottish breakfast. He calls it uh, Pigtail Brewing Smoked Seasonal Scotch Ale, coming in at 6.3, so it's a lower on the wee heavy side. In fact, I think this might be a
1: 90 shilling, we'll call it. But it really, I mean, and it's sort of the benefit of uh, an institution like that, where you have... uh, the flavors exist it's the same way that like Cantillon is Cantillon because of where they make it and and, and what, the, the, but, but but also like the uh, the terroir of like what's in the rafters um, and so smoking malts in a pork shop that's been around since eighteen 18- sixty five there it is uh, it's an institution uh, you're going to get some of those uh, some of those those flavors and some of those those tastes into it yeah let- and, and and that's sort of the cool thing about home brewers, though. And and is that been a tough thing for you to replicate? Of finding something that is, you build your own authenticity based on where you are, and 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 things will come over time. Right. Uh, because you're also doing sours as well, and yep. you know, even though we're running out of time, I, I do I do want to mention that. But uh, you're doing sours, so so you're thinking about a lot of uh you know what you're putting into your beer. Um you know here, is it. Are there things that you're missing, or things that you still get jealous of uh, of homebrews yeah, being? Yeah,
2: absolutely. I mean, there's a learning curve. We're we're still dialing. We had a, a low mash temperature the last two weeks because we're redialing in on some components that we have added to our mash ton. What I miss about homebrewing is how little it married, uh, how little it mattered. Uh, to to quote Charlie Papazian, relax, have a homebrew. Yeah, this isn't relaxation. These beers, we we manufacture wort here to be fermented by yeast. Yeah. Act of God, we'll call it, whatever it is. So many variables. There's bottom lines. I'm not a wealthy person. You know, these guys need to, these guys need to, if my customers, if the guests at Bond Place Brewing, the employees at Bond Place Brewing, and therefore um, our family, in the broader sense of the term, are happy. My nuclear family, my immediate family is happy because then we can eat and we can sleep well. Sure. If all three of those components, none none are primary, secondary, tertiary, but if all three of those components are happy, we're okay. If we're making bad beer, our customer, our consumers are, are not going to be happy. Therefore, our bartender is not going to be happy. Therefore, my family is not going to be happy.
1: And I feel um, like every time that we've talked, you've mentioned, including earlier in this podcast, about dumping batches of beer. We have. Yeah, we've dumped two, three,
2: really. We had a bad mash one day, and then we, we had to dump two batches out of the fermenter. Um, I tried. I mean, we put uh, we put a healthy dose of Brett in there, tried to clean up the butyric, maybe uh, turn it to ethyl butyrate and convert it, and it just was it was straight like funky cheese. It just wasn't. It was off. It wasn't isovaleric. It was like it was baby vomit initially, and then it went to like footy, gross. Um, yeah, I can't. I, we can't. We can't serve that. I'm sorry. I know. I know some breweries are okay with that, and a lot of breweries do have bottom line to worry about. And there may be consumers out there that are like, this is great. It's we're, we're hyper about that here, and I think more breweries should have that responsibility. That's not to say that we've never put out product that I don't think is incredible. That's not what I'm saying here. Right. Um, we've probably put out two or three beers, and I'm like, okay, that's, it's okay. And, and it moved.
1: It went. But but that's but that's sort of the act of humility that I was talking about before. Of there, there's there's been brewers who I've met who swear up and down that that what they've served me is you know the best possible pint. You know, this is the best pint of X that you're ever going to have. And it's like, you know, first of all, that's that's a really bold, claim. <laughs> especially coming to you to, uh, to you. With well, that. no, no, no. But not even me. But I think saying that to anybody, kind of thing, I, because. Yeah. You know, there's so many factors that go into to tasting, uh, to to tasting pies. But if, if, if you're at this point where, you know that something isn't necessarily where you want it to get, but people are still going to drink it and enjoy it. But to go back to your opus, to try to make it better and to continuously try to you know grow. And what are we? Oh,
2: guys, if you want to eat lunch, it's on the table over there. During your Lunch well, is on well, the well, well, table, rest. fellas. We're running out of time, John. I'm Yes. Sorry, no, I'm no, there. no.
1: That's all good. We're, I, uh, I'm not running out of time. I don't want to. Okay, now No, I'm, but, I'm but we are running. Her. But we are running out of time. But I mean, so, so, I guess it is that the thing is 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 the work of a brewer never finished.
2: Never. I'm, I'm hypercritical. When I said publicly that Nemo was the best, one of the was was the best beer. I think it's the best beer we've ever put out. And I, I might have said, like, you know, in my humble opinion, that due to the style and what I, how I feel about beer, I typically don't answer that question. If somebody says, what's your favorite? I say, do you have any kids? And if they say no, then it's a moot point. But if I say, well, who's your favorite? You know, like, right. but at the same time, I'm like, this could be this. this, could, And it's constantly, what can we do to improve this? Why didn't Mui get a gold? What can we do to improve that? Sure. Should we use English hops? Maybe that would have made the judges. Maybe that's, that, that, that was a comment that was left off the page. What can make it more perfect? Um, what can make it better? Our yeasts are very happy here. We, we play music for them. Um, I burn sage. Okay. I kiss the tanks goodnight every night. I say goodnight to my cold box. We put a lot of love into this product. We, put our, we, we actually put, not physically, but we put our hearts and souls into it. Uh, physically, uh, in the sense of like man uh, labor, and then emotionally, in the sense that I'm down here, you know, hugging tanks and kissing tanks. I, I don't know that it helps, but I certainly know that it doesn't hurt. So that so to from homebrewing, I miss I miss the fact that it didn't really matter, and you know, I could put my heart on my sleeve, like wear my heart on my sleeve, and if we got a bad review, it was five gallons. Yeah. Uh, and by review, I don't mean untapped. I mean like a, a somebody, one of my friends drinking it, and in here, I mean a consumer a guest uh for to to answer that that last question it's more uh I guess yeah our work can never possibly be done because you can always do better um just keep going you know uh Fuck it. Uh, when, I, when I was an very active, I, I run every day now. I've run every day at least two miles for the last three years. December Jeez. 23rd will be three years in a row. Wow. Consecutive. You started
1: a, a New Year's resolution early. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. It was a,
2: a streaking group, we'll call it. Okay. And there's one other guy still doing it. Oh, good. He started January 3rd, uh-huh. so I got him by like 12 yeah. days. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Chris. So, uh, I My mantra often when I'm running, if I'm going up a hill, I'm like, just fuck, keep going, dog. You got this. Like, keep going, keep going, keep going. Well, that's with brewing too. Oh, that smells great, guys.
1: Um, it is smelling like a <laughs> brewery in here right now. Yeah, it's very, yeah. Very nice.
2: So, you know, to to answer that other question, you said, you know, to tell people what I didn't expect is, uh, I, I feel like you know that whole "I'll sleep when I'm dead" thing. Yeah, I've said it for years. I've actually said I'll walk when I'm dead. Like I'm gonna keep running. I never knew I was gonna have to run so much, and I I am. You know, and it's not my baby—the six-month-old son of mine. Venture baby. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't keep me awake. No, this place keeps me awake. Thank God, because if he was keeping me awake, I'd, I wouldn't have made it those eight <laughs> years either,
0: John. <laughs> uh,
1: Sam Soto is the owner and the brewer of Bond Place Brewing Company here in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, which is incredibly active on a Tuesday morning. Uh, with his staff here. You can read more about Sam and his brewery in the latest issue on newsstands and in your mailbox right now of Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine. If you don't subscribe, please do. If you have questions, if you have comments, if you have uh, thoughts, you can subscribe to this podcast and then leave uh, comments and marks, or you can email me at John Hall, that's J O H N H O as an Oscar, L L at beerandbrewing.com. Or drop me a line on Twitter, which is at John underscore Hall. Uh, Sam, thanks again for being here. Yeah,
2: thank you for having me, and, and for for those of you who don't follow John already, yeah, it's uh, it's or us, and for that matter, it's, it's, it's
1: pictures of my dog, <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> uh, which, uh, it, and, and beer that I'm drinking. That, so that's
2: more where I was going with it. But the pictures of the dog are <laughs> incredible. So uh, if you don't know this, we love dogs.
1: Well, <laughs> thanks so much for listening, and we will be back next week with a brand new episode. Cheers, See you guys.
2: Bye.
0: If you love brewing as much as we do and are inspired by the work of leading commercial brewers like Mitch Steele of New Realm, Tommy Arthur of Lost Abbey, Matt Brindleson of Firestone Walker, Jeff Stuffings and Avery Swanson of Jester King, Jason Perkins of Allagash, and more, then put one of our 2018 Brewers Retreat events on your calendar. These luxury brewing events at gorgeous resort locations around the country pair great brewers, great food, and intimate camaraderie for a truly unique and unforgettable experience. Learn more at BrewersRetreat.com. And if you're interested in reaching the thousands of listeners who tune into every episode of the Craft Beer Brewing podcast, we'd love to welcome you as a sponsor. For more information, drop an email to info at BeerAndBrewing.com and our media sales team will craft a plan that works for you.